السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وابن سيد الوصيين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah and welcome to episode number 13 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Wala'anallahu bani umayyata qatibah and may Allah curse the bani umayyah, all of them. So during the time of the Prophet and even before him, before Islam even, you had the tribe of the Quraysh uh, in Mecca. And this tribe was made up of about, if I'm not mistaken, 25, let's call it clans. So, for example, you had Bani Taim, you had Bani Mughira, you had Bani uh, Umayyah, Bani Hashim, and so on. One of these clans was the Bani Umayyah. And the Bani Umayyah, they were nobles. They were uh, one of the top-tier Quraysh clans. Next to Banu Hashim, of course, Banu Hashim were known for their greatness and generosity and valor and so on. Banu Umayyah was also way up there. And from the beginning, there's always been a competition as if between these two clans and a few others as well. A competition, for example, in who's going to be in charge of different aspects of the Hajj, in which responsibility goes to which clan and so on and so forth. So here... The Imam is sending his la'an upon the Bani Umayyah of the Quraysh. Why? The question is why? Well, from day one, it was Banu Umayyah who stood up against the Holy Prophet Now the Prophet, he was not coming against or going against anybody because of the tribe or the clan that they were from. But rather, he was going against anybody who was going to be a polytheist, a mushrik, even if that person was from his own clan. So for example, Abu Lahab was his uncle, his father's brother. Abdullah had a brother by the name of, Hash, uh, of Abu Lahab. And so Abu Lahab is mal'un in the Qur'an and was an enemy, a staunch enemy of the Holy Prophet But he's Bani Hashim. So for the Prophet it was never about clans and tribes and so on. But for Banu Umayyah, it seems that it was the case. They always had that competition with uh, Banu Hashim. And then all of a sudden, a prophet emerges from the Bani Hashim. And so from day one, you find that the Banu Umayyah, next to other clans as well, but the Banu Umayyah particularly, are standing up through Abu Sufyan and others, are standing up against the Holy Prophet. Now, we will have, inshallah, a separate episode when we speak about Abu Sufyan in particular. So I don't want to get into details regarding Abu Sufyan. But it began with Abu Sufyan and others from other clans, of course, Abu Jahl and others, um, standing up against the Prophet. But without a doubt, one of the greatest enemies of Islam from day one was Abu Sufyan, who was the head of the Bani Umayyah. Now we don't have time to get into all the details in regards to Bani Umayyah. But I just want to share with you a few excerpts from here and there and a few examples and a few hadiths in regards to the Banu Umayyah so that we understand that 
this family tree was a problematic one. The first uh, excerpt that I want to share with you is from Nahjul Balagha. Imam Ali السلام, he says this in Sermon 92 or 93, depending on uh, which Nahjul Balagha you have. He says, Beware that the worst mischief I fear for you is the mischief of Banu Umayyah. This mischief is blind and creates darkness. Its sway is general, but its ill effects are for particular people, meaning the pious ones or the Shia. So now this is Imam Ali saying this probably in his time when he was Khalifa. So it's not during the Prophet's time, of course. So he says, they have problems generally, but then specifically towards those uh, who have are, are in the path of piety. And in other words, it's as if the righteous ones are the ones that are going to be target, targeted by the Banu Umayyah. He says, he who remains clear-sighted in this fitna, in this mischief, in this problem of Banu Umayyah, he who remains clear-sighted in it will be affected by tragedy. So if you stay on the right path, he's saying, during the times of the Banu Umayyah, if you stay on the right path, tragedy will come your way. They're not going to let you off the hook very easily. And he who remains blind in it will avoid all tragedy. But if you're good with them, if you're on good terms with them, they're not going to mess with you. By Allah, you will find Banu Umayyah after me, worst people for yourselves. Like the old unruly she-camel who bites with its mouth, beats with its forelegs, kicks with its hind legs and refuses to be milked. So a camel is supposed to help a person, serve a person, right? But when all it does is these things, then it's no good. They will remain over you till they leave among you only those who benefit them or those who do not harm them. So if you're going to be against them, they're going to get rid of you. Their calamity will continue till you see, till you're seeking help from them would become like the seeking of help by the slave from his master or of the follower from the leader. Their mischief will come to you like evil-eyed fear and pre-Islamic fragments wherein there would be neither minaret of guidance nor any sign of salvation to be seen. So this is how problematic the Banu Umayyah are in the eyes of Imam Ali salam. What Banu Umayyah did throughout history it just cannot be denied to the point that a person like Al-Alusi, who is a grand Salafi uh, scholar and has the tafsir of Ruh al-Ma'ani, here in, in Ruh al-Ma'ani he says this. He says that he speaks of the Banu Umayyah spilling innocent blood and their rape of respected women and seizing wealth unlawfully and denying people their rightful rights and their alteration of Islamic laws, and judging through means of other than what Allah has revealed unto His Prophet and other great ugly acts and huge embarrassments that can never be forgotten as long as there are days and nights. So I know I talked about how Banu Umayyah were the enemy from the beginning, right, against the Prophet in the face of the Prophet but this continues all the way to the time where Ziyat Ashura is dictated from Imam al-Baqir and some researchers have pointed this out that the strong anti-Bani Umayyah sentiment that you find in Ziyarat Ashura is good proof that this was a ziyarah dictated by or formulated by Imam al-Baqir because that is the time of Banu Umayyah's power. Imam al-Baqir, he, he's living during the time of Banu Umayyah's power, although it was slowly weakening in that time. So one of the Bani Umayyah, of course, is Muawiyah, for example. Let's see what uh, Imam Ali says about Muawiyah in Nahj al-Balagha, Sermon 61. He says, لا تقاتل الخوارج بعدي فليس من طلب الحق فأخطأه كمن طلب الباطل فأدركه. So he's talking about the Khawarij, but indirectly he's talking about Muawiyah as well. 
He says, look, after me, don't fight the Khawarij. Forget them. Like they're, they're nobodies. But why? Because they tried to find the truth, which is very interesting. The Imam says this. They are trying to find the truth, but they just got it wrong. That's different than a person who goes after the wrong and actually hits the bullseye when it comes to the wrong, when it comes to batil and falsehood. So let me repeat that. The Khawarij were aiming for haq, but they got it, they, they missed the target. While there are others, and he means by that Muawiyah, because he's trying to push the people and urge them to really fight against Muawiyah and, and help him in fighting Muawiyah. He says there's another person out there who aimed for batil, falsehood, and hit the bullseye. These two are different. So it just shows that, okay, these Bani Umayyah who are represented by the likes of Muawiyah, this is the this is how problematic they are. Imam Ali is saying, don't even worry about the Khawarij, forget them. Let's keep our focus on people like Muawiyah. Why? Because he knows the problem of Banu Umayyah is not something that is just going to you know leave overnight. It's going to be there. If you don't address it, it's going to be there. Versus Khawarij, okay, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Of course, the Khawarij had to be addressed as well, but nothing close to addressing the Banu Umayyah and especially the likes of Muawiyah. There's another report here I want to share with you. Um, Al-Kashi, he narrates this uh, about Muawiyah in the eyes of Imam Hussein al Islam. Well, how did Imam Hussein look at Muawiyah? It says that uh, Imam Hussein wrote to him, he said, I do not wish to fight you or rebel against you, but by Allah, I fear Allah in not engaging in such. So Imam Hussein is saying, look, if you ask me, I'm not. this is not my intention, but I'm just letting you know that I'm I'm afraid that God's going to be upset with me that I don't intend to fight you. And now, of course, the Imam didn't fight him. There were other reasons for that. Yeah, there were other implications that would ha would take place if the Imam was to draw the sword against Muawiyah. And so, the Imam had chosen not to, and uh, had come to the conclusion that that's the wisest choice during the time of Muawiyah. But anyway, he's still making it clear that I'm afraid that God's going to hold me responsible. Allah's not going to be happy, and that. I do not believe Allah is happy with not doing so and that he will excuse me if I don't have a valid excuse for not fighting you and your oppressive disbelieving friends who are actually the party of darkness and friends of the shayateen, the devils. So in other words, the imam is saying, look, I have a reason for not fighting you. But like if I didn't have that reason, oh my God, like I don't know what my answer would be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are you not the killer of Hujr bin Adi? And the devout worshippers with him after you had promised them safety. Did you not kill Amr bin Hamik al-Khuzai, the righteous servant of Allah and companion of the Holy Prophet whom excessive worship had worn out? Are you not the one who took Ziyad as his own brother while he was of illegitimate birth and didn't belong to your father Abu Sufyan? So here is pointing out all these things. Okay, who is who is Muawiyah? He's part of the Banu Umayyah. So when the Prophet he says, don't let the Banu Umayyah take over. Don't let them take power. Don't let Muawiyah take power. There's a reason for it. Because if you do, these things are going to happen. It's interesting. Imam Hussain in one of those first um, sayings that he has before he leaves Medina, or maybe even after he leaves Medina, but in the beginning of his journey, he says this. He says that, look, the Prophet had told the people of Medina, that if you ever see Muawiyah on my pulpit, I want you to slash his belly. In other words, kill him. But the people of Medina eventually saw Muawiyah. They didn't do that. And so Allah punished the people with a tyrant leader like Yazid. Okay, so this is the threat of the Banu Umayyah. This is the problem of the Banu Umayyah. 
we talked about, or we will talk about, um, or we, excuse me, we did talk about Marwan, for example, when we talked about Alu Marwan and the curse of Allah being upon Alu Marwan. Talked about how the Prophet kicked him out of Medina, how he didn't let, he kicked him and his father out of Medina, how Marwan didn't allow Imam Hassan to be buried next to the Holy Prophet, how he pushed for Imam Hussein to be killed. All of these things, these are all, Marwan is of the Bani Umayyah. And so I want to share a few hadiths about how the Prophet was upset of the fact that he had knowledge that the Bani Umayyah eventually are going to take over and they're going to be in power. We have several hadiths that narrate the Holy Prophet He was saying that I saw a dream in which I saw the, I saw, uh, the Banu Umayyah climbing and jumping up my mimbar, my pulpit, the same way monkeys jump up on, a, on something. And so, of course, the interpretation of this is that they're going to replace him, they're going to succeed him. And so he was very upset about this. It says, it says, فَمَا رُؤِيَ النَّبِيُّ مُسْتَجْمِعًا ضَاحِكًا حَتَّى مَاتْ That the Prophet was never seen after that smiling or laughing until he passed away. So apparently this dream of his was towards the end of his life. And so he's very worried about this. We have hadiths that say, that, that speak of the Banu Umayyah in particular, point them out as one of the problems of the uh, Islamic Ummah. So for example, here we have a hadith by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa annahu qal an ibn Mas'ud an an nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi annahu qal li kulli shay'in afah wa afatu hadha ad-din banu umayyah which I can roughly translate to everything has a decay in it there's there's going to be a decay and something harmful for everything out there and the decay and harm of the deen of this deen of this religion of Islam is the Banu Umayyah. We have another hadith here. It says here, Rawa ibn Hajar fi sawahiq al muhriqa Ibn Hajar al Asqalani. In his book, he says, that the Prophet said, So the Prophet lists three tri- uh, clans here of the Arab. One of them, the first one that he mentions, which is, and he says, The worst of the tribes of the Arab is who? The Banu Umayyah. So it becomes very clear, you know, as you go through all of these different uh, hadiths and all the different comments from Imam Ali and Nahj al-Balagha or other scholars even, and I'm just, you know, I'm just scratching the surface here, of course. I'm not really uh, getting into too much, too much detail because you know, I don't want to go over the time, I don't want to spend too much time on this. But all in all, one, one, as one skims through all of these sources and finds what was said about Banu Umayyah, they come to this conclusion that, okay, these guys were really a problem. For example, it says, رُوِيَا عَنِ الْإِمَامِ أَمِيرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ That Imam Ali said, إِنَّهُمْ كُفَّارُ قُرَيْشِ كَذَّبُوا نَبِيَّهُمْ نَصَبُوا لَهُ الْحَارْبِ وَالْعَدَاوَةِ That the Bani Umayyah, they are the kuffar and not disbelievers of the Quraysh. In other words, other clans of Quraysh accepted, but Banu Umayyah, they didn't accept until they were forced. كَذَّبُوا نَبِيَّهُمْ They rejected their Prophet, said he's lying. نَصَبُوا لَهُ الْحَارْبِ not only that, they, st- they stood against him in war and animosity. And so these kinds of things really leave no doubt in a person that, okay, these people were very, very problematic. And so 
one can easily conclude if these people are in power, then one of the main goals of Imam Hussein salam in not giving bay'ah was to sort of uproot this 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 cancer that had taken over the Muslim Ummah of Banu Umayyah being in charge of everything. And of course, they're not interested in Islam. They're not interested in uh, spreading the message and pushing forward the cause of Islam and the Holy Prophet As a matter of fact, we have enough evidence that they were trying to use Islam at the least to say is that they were using Islam only for their worldly and personal interests if not trying to just destroy Islam altogether and I say this based on some of the poems or poetry that Yazid recited that he didn't believe when the when the head of Imam Hussein is in his presence and in front of him those famous lines that Yazid recites of poetry that La, that Wahid was not there was no such thing as revelation and things like that he's saying things that are obviously going against the basic tenets of Islam and so you can be sure that these people didn't have any interest in Islam and pushing the agenda of Islam forward and so if the imam here in the ziyarah he says he's making sure that everyone knows that Banu Umayyah were one of the main problems and one of the main reasons for Ashura taking place. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.